Hello and welcome to Sex and Violence, your weekly punk rock movie podcast with a discussion is always on samurai swords, penises, titties, punk rock music, wailing guitar solos, and musicals. And musicals. <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Ryan Snyder, and with me as always, Gabriel Mara, lover of musicals and and uh, uh, the spectacular now, and 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 uh, uh, some came uh, running, I think it's called. Jesus. That's my, that's my, this is my Gabe, uh, my uh, Gabe uh, voice. This is my Gabe voice. No one can tell the difference. Everyone hearing this is be like, holy shit. It's actually Gabe. It's, it's, Gabe's actually there. They're really surprised that Gabe's here today. Yes, very surprised. Gabe is yeah. not here today, so in his place oh. we brought back the third host of <laughs> Sex and Violence. <laughs> the, the, the spiritual guide. Uh, <laughs> of Sex and Violence. The, uh, the, ow. The, uh, the, sorry, I'm playing with Ryan's cat, and I just was, she got frisky enough that she'd now just, uh, uh clawed she's, my arm. She's doing a little tag thing. But I'm fine with this. Unlike, unlike Gabriel, who's allergic to cats, I love cats. Anyway, sorry, I'll start playing with her. That's uh, right. no, uh, Ga uh, Gabriel Gonzalez. Yeah, that's my name. Gabriel Gonzalez. Gabriel Gonzalez. I'm so bad with names, I fucked up my own. Really? Uh, I am Daniel Gonzalez. Yeah, I literally just did that. <laughs> Mm. Uh, I am Daniel Gonzalez, uh, the guy who's here pretty often. Yeah. Um, not here enough. Not here enough. Not here enough, though. There's still a, a backlog of movies that would be like, oh, I'd love to, you know, be there for this. Brotherhood of the Wolf has been... Brotherhood of the Wolf. And it's not so much that I, I'm that desperate to see it again. It's more just like the thing that's like, I realized a long ago, like, oh, that'd be a fun movie for you to do. Yeah. And the, the, the fact that I'm constantly bringing it up is mainly me just going like, why haven't we done that yet? We should do that one. It'd be really fun. Yes. It's not the best. I'm actually curious, especially it'd be like incredibly disappointing like, by the time we get around to seeing it, but This is usually what happened. I mean, this is what happened with Gabriel last week when he brought Spectacular now and he's like, Oh, you're gonna you're gonna cry, you're gonna love it. And I was like, <laughs> fuck this movie. And yeah. It, it, one of those beautiful moments where, where uh, the, the, the two people talking violently disagree, which is always yeah. it, it's always fun. You gotta give him gotta throw Gabriel a bone every now yeah. and again. And you're also weird though, because you also don't like Cohen Brothers movies. It's I am one of like six people on the planet who does not like Cohen Brothers movies. I'm I'm really curious what like actually because like I, I always assume that everyone loves Cohen's and clearly mm -hmm. that's wrong. First yeah. off, first off, there's there's you and and there's probably plenty of people who. I haven't found many, I don't think I've found detractors within my circle. Everyone's like, dude, Big Lebowski, great. Fargo, great. And every time I've watched them, I'm like, eh, like, <laughs> not, not, my, not my bag of tea. And I would have said, like, oh my god, who does, like, everyone has to love them. But clearly that's not. So I'm wondering if there actually is, there are, like, people out there who, I mean, that's so weird, that's a general thing to say, but, like, people out there who generally, like, I don't know, like, maybe even the Coen brothers know that's just like, oh, there's people out there who just don't get our stuff yeah they it's, it's not that i don't get it. i just i disagree with their philosophy in filmmaking okay and i and i think that's crazy like i feel like if we if we were to uh, 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 argue over that it would just it would just feel so frustrating anyway yeah <laughs> um so we're gonna we're actually gonna flip the script on this episode well, we I'm... we did not watch a movie um <laughs> and gabriel's not here so this is a really weird episode so we're actually gonna do Something kind of special for our second segment. For the first one, though, we're going to uh, talk about some movies first. So we're going to do what you've been watching lately first. So, Danny, what you've been watching? Well, I, you know what? Uh, I was told at the 11th hour that I was going to be coming over, and I was like, oh, I have all these movies I can pick for Ryan. So I watched, I watched all, all of the Decalogue. I watched all of 10 hours of Shoah, and then I showed up here and realized we weren't going to watch anything. Nope. Oh, okay. Sorry. I am curious what seeing all 10 hours of Shoah would be like, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. What have I been watching? What have you been watching? <laughs> uh, well, before we went, we were talking, um, Black Dahlia. Uh, oh, yeah. Gabriel and I talked about this two or three episodes ago, but 
you were the one who had more to say on it, like, ten episodes ago. Yeah, well, we, we did a, a crossover thing with, oh, but uh, um, the other Top Gallant radio show that I co-host, Slow mm. Readers, which is all about books and reading and, and Nothing how, bad, else. how bad we are at reading. Nothing else. We never talk about movies. But uh, we did a crossover with LA Confidential. Yes. Um, uh, 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 what's his fucking name? James Elroy, one of his books, and was yep. made into what like is probably the greatest movie ever made. And uh, and yeah, I was talking about having uh, read The Black Dahlia. And Black Dahlia, the book, is actually in the same series as LA Confidential. Yeah. Which you wouldn't really gather seeing the movies. Um, but yeah, I had seen that movie a long time ago, like probably around 2005-ish. Okay. Uh, so cool. I, don't, I don't remember the finer details of it. I just remember like beginning the movie, loving it, and then by the end, thinking that it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. It's not, I don't think it's one of the worst. I told Gabriel last time, uh, two times ago when we recorded that, like uh -huh. we watched the uh, Black Dahlia and then I wanted to watch a movie that was trying to do what it, it doing what it was trying to do, but like with a better like cultier spin so we ended up watching sin city afterwards instead <laughs> which is just so like stylized and glitzy and like still is, i love like you can really get me with voiceover i love voiceover you love voiceover i love voiceover and like a detective movie mm -hmm. uh, it's kill like i don't really like it in blade runner because harrison ford is just like oh pissed off and yeah no that is it is comically awful like uh, uh yeah if you were not to I and, he, give... and he's awfully racist in the first 10 minutes <laughs> Something like that. It's, uh, yeah, it, we can talk about 30 minutes about just the voiceover on Blade Runner, let alone Blade Runner, but... Um, speaking of which, uh, of things that, you know, people don't like that everyone else uh, loves, I do not like Sin City, the movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. The, and I feel like the bigger uh, thing of that is that I read the, the comics before. Yeah. I remember, like, I think even, like, reading the comics because you see, like, uh, they released, like, the opening of that movie online that mm -hmm. you can watch and you're just like, oh, this looks fucking great. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, there's these comics and you're just like, give me them. And, you know, they don't take fucking long at all to read. No, no, no. Um, and I read them and I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. Especially because, like, he's literally, you literally just take the pages and you put them on the screen. Yeah. And I, I the, the my biggest complaint about the movie was how poorly I want to say like poorly paced it's just it, it is like in a rush to be over and I hated that because so much joy you get from the from the stories I got from especially from the comics was that mm -hmm. you like bask in just like the hyper stylization of yeah. everything like so like you like it is a story that glorifies like violence and, and sex and like yeah. fucking that like brutish like like oh let be blunt like misogyny even of yeah just, I like, mean the, Miller's work is Pretty misogynistic. It, it is. And the fact that, like, him doing, like, a hardboiled noir, an ultra-stylized one, just kind of, like, makes... And you're just like, eh, that's adorable. It, yeah. You know, what sometimes just need to smack a woman around, or she has a squirt... I forgot what it was. I don't know. I'm messing with it. But anyway, I'm yeah. a fan of that movie, though. Um, the other thing I've been doing, which, like, I... Like, if this dude was still alive, I would have to send him a thank you letter. Uh -huh. So I've been, um... I've been doing the food truck, like, all week, and I've been pulling, like, 12 to 16-hour days for uh -huh. the past, like month uh -huh. and when i get home like I, i've had like brief like three hour breaks in between so i come home and i can like take a nap and it's right before my wife gets home <laughs> so i've been watching a lot of kubrick oh yeah <laughs> and it is it has been like saving my soul for some reason like i'm just watching these like awful like not in some cases awful like people just get traumatized and i fall into a deep and restful sleep it's That's... really great because it's slow pacing, mm -hmm. and then you wake up, and, like, every scene in, like, the, th the three movies I've been watching are Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, and The Shining. Uh -huh. And 
just like on repeat and it's just like every scene I wake up to is a good scene. I can fall asleep. It's, I don't know, Kubrick is energizing for my soul. That, that, that's pretty cool and that's something that me and you can kind of uh, relate. I, I also love slow-paced, hypnotic yeah. uh, uh, movies that are, in, that are rec incredibly rich with both sight and sound. Yes. This is why the bane of Gabriel's existence, Terrence Malick, I'm constantly bringing up his stuff. Okay. Because it's, it's very similar, but it's, it's like story-wise and like the kind of like sentiments are very, very different. But um, he's yeah. the one who did the, the documentary, right? The Malik? No, no. No, okay. Then who am I thinking of? I don't know. I was <laughs> there was someone from uh, that was recommended on Film Spotting. It was like the the Look of Silence. I thought it was. No. Oh um, oh the the movie The Look of Silence, the documentary. Yeah. No, that is I don't know his name actually to be honest with you, and I can't look it up. But uh, I know your time. I didn't yeah. see The Look of Silence, which is the second movie that was like in like that same. Uh, yeah, I think thing. I saw the first one. I saw the f first one. Which I'm forgetting its name to be honest with you. What is it called? Uh, um, is it called like the Nature of Evil or something like that? Something, something like that. But either way, it's give me, yeah. give me your phone. God damn, this is driving me crazy. You look it up. But in the meantime, while we're looking this up, um, no, I, I tell you what. So you've only been really like, watching those three particular Kubrick films. Uh, those are the ones I have. I've never really been able to like sit down and get through 2001 mm -hmm. in like one sitting. But the last time I tried it, I was like 22. Yeah. So I mean, I wasn't really in that. I think you should. In fact, if you want, I can actually lend you. I have like the complete like Kubrick like Blu-ray box set, which is everything from the act uh, of killing. The act of killing. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, the act of killing, which is confusing because Kubrick has a movie called The Kill. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah, great, great documentary. If you guys haven't seen it out there in podcast land, it's, it's fucking fantastic. But uh, it was everything from Spartacus onward in Blu-ray and everything like that. So I've seen I've seen all of his movies since then. I really want to watch uh, Barry Lyndon, I think it's called. I heard that's really good and like an ultra slow paced three hour movie. <laughs> yes, that is that is one that like the the annoying thing is that like like uh, filmmakers out there like Wes Anderson and Sofia Coppola, that's like their favorite movie. Okay. And it's like, no, I could totally understand. It is it is stunningly beautiful. Every frame in that is like literally a painting. Yeah. You know, it's it's stunning. But I don't and I've I've like read or watch things that kind of explain like what the movie is trying to do but unfortunately just kind of like went over my head okay i appreciate it for what it kind of did but like i didn't get that story so yeah. like and it's funny and it's fun but like it's it's very it's 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 agonizingly slow yeah uh but yeah yeah i would uh, i would recommend seeing uh, eyes wide shut uh, yeah, I, yeah yeah i was talking to my wife about it she was like i don't think you're gonna like it i was like i don't think you understand how much i like kubrick i think yeah the thing is like if you love kubrick you're going to really like it um yeah that's it, where, where do you fall on um uh, 2001 <laughs> not 2001 uh, uh ai because you're you're you oh. like spielberg yeah i like you're, spielberg. you're not the asshole that gabriel is <laughs> uh no not so much the asshole i think gabriel uh it, it's like this thing where like you the things that you enjoy when you're younger and you consume especially something so ubiquitous as like yes. jaws or close encounters like you gravitate away from i think you would I would love for him to see Close Encounters, and I want to be like, love, like it's a fucking. I good, love Close it's Encounters. It's amazing, and everything aliens used to scare the shit out of me as a kid. But uh, I saw AI in theaters, and I haven't seen it since. So okay. I was a little young when I saw it. I remember on the whole liking it, but kind of feeling like it went on forever. Yeah, it's and, kind of like it's it's still it really very much like style wise is Kubrick by way of Spielberg. Yeah. 
which is kind of an interesting like matchup. It, it, it which sh- kind of feeds into our second segment of two things mixing together. Uh, how about this? Not give us a preview. What do you think would be a great double billing with AI? With AI? <laughs> yes. Bicentennial Man. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that? Uh, I've seen that not in the last ten years. Okay. <clears throat> Kind of like me with uh, AI. Uh, I have not seen it. I know what it is. Um, yeah, man. I don't know why. I don't know. Weird. It just weird early two thousands. Like futuristic sci fi seems like a good. <laughs> isn't isn't it essentially just Patch Adams? But what if Patch Adams was a, a robot, robot man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What, what, but Robin Williams was so fucking great. Like I don't know why he made so many really awful decisions with his with his movie selections. You know. Yeah. Like like be, like he made some really good ones and some really like. Not bad, but like now bad. Like I, I don't have any desire to watch Flubber. <laughs> Even though we saw it. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I remember seeing that movie at the drive-in theater. I saw it at the drive-in. I think I saw it at a drive-in theater or just a regular, but I saw it in theaters. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. I I saw that, and back in the day, that was the coolest thing in the world. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like, but you'd figure like after he had done like Insomnia. And One Hour Photo, if you've ever seen it. One Hour Photo is amazing. Yeah, like, both of those are great movies. You'd be like, oh, fucking, we're going to get, like, an avalanche of excellent Robin Williams movies off of this. Because, like, clearly he's, like, a great drum, drama lead. Mm-hmm. And then, like, then he, he did, I don't know, Bicentennial Man or something yeah. like that. Or Jacob the Liar, if you ever heard of it. No, I remember Jack. Uh, I, I saw. Yeah. I still fuck with Jack. You know that's a that's a that's a Francis Ford Coppola movie. Really, the guy who did uh, all the I was gonna say both Godfathers, all the Godfathers, and Bra- uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. He did after after I think um, that fucking th- after yeah. Dracula. I think he did Jack. He was like, I'm sick of killing people. <laughs> He's I'm like, just, I want to kill Robin Williams at the end of this movie. I, I want Robin Williams to slowly die in the course of this fucking movie. And then and he did, like, the, uh, the John Grisham. I don't know, whatever the fuck. Yeah, no, what were we talking about? Uh, Kubrick. Kubrick, yeah. No, see, Eyes Wide Shut. You, it's, it's, I remember seeing it and just kind of being like, oh, that was a weird movie. And then, like, for the next rest of my life, I've been like, I want to see that again. Yeah. There's something, there's like, yeah, I don't know. He, he's fantastic. We should talk about a Kubrick movie at some point on the show. I, I, I would love to. Um, my big thing with, like, Kubrick lately has been, like, trying to get people, like, away from the broiness of Full Metal Jacket because I feel like everyone remembers like that the boot camp stuff yeah. but the more interesting bulk of that movie is everything that happens after that in my opinion anyway yeah that that's actually another thing I have not rewatched uh, Full Metal Jacket since the first time I've seen it and I've seen it like I think I've seen like the majority of uh, Kubrick films like when I was like younger and yeah I was like I want to see art house films and you see all Kubrick films um how my back uh and sure enough I remember yeah we all, like, even knowing how sick and fucked up it is and, like, what it's trying to get across of that whole, like, first half of that movie with, like, in the uh, the, the, the boot camp training yeah. and whatnot, uh, it is so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it's... Is, yeah. I, the, the more and more I watch... Like, I've seen it probably, like, three times in the past month just, like, having it on while I'm falling asleep. Uh-huh. And, like, I really... I wait for the stuff after the boot camp. I find that more interesting. when joke Like, seeing Joker as a more well-rounded characters. Yeah, well, uh, like I said, I don't really remember it all that well, but, like, uh, there's not really that much of, like, a strong presence of character in that first half besides 
Arlie Ernie, and not that he's that much of a, he doesn't go through a change. No, he's he just, just yells. He's just yelling, and every and you can just watch that. If the movie was three hours of him yelling at people, you'd probably end up watching it. Yeah. It was him and, and Private Pile. Yes. Uh, and then after that, there's like a bunch of characters. Uh, there's Animal Mother. Yep, Animal Mother, Raptor Man. Raptor Man, okay. Cowboy. Cowboy, oh, that's, that's a familiar name. I thought there was a character named Motherfucker, but I think I'm just thinking about Animal Mother. Yeah, I think you're just okay. thinking of Animal Mother. Who, who played Animal Mother? Wasn't like a Baldwin or something like that? Uh, shit, I'll, I'll have to look that yeah, up. Yeah, something like that. I haven't I haven't seen that one in a while, and um, I remember what was it? I feel like I was reading something. Oh no, that's not true at all. I, I watched a video that compared the boot training uh, scene in that with the one in Jarhead. Okay. Have you ever seen Jarhead? You ever see Jarhead? Yeah, I saw that in theaters. Uh, also a great movie. Um, better when you really kind of go back and kind of like a kind of like get what it's it's going yeah. for. You know? I don't think I've seen it since the first time I saw it, and I, I remember it pretty well, but I think I would probably appreciate it more now with age. Yeah, or, or just like a little more maturity, and also maybe especially having more of like an opinion on like war stories. Yeah. Um, because I think like your opinion on war stories are pretty usually pretty simple, like when you're younger. Because um, uh, Gabriel infamously hates war movies. Yes, so he does. I'm constantly trying to think of like, like oh you would really like in fact i'm actually going to talk of one mm -hmm. on here it's not one that anyone else is thinking of okay but uh but it's like oh you would like this because and and like it's not like when you think of a war movie you think of like you know usually beforehand it's like a john wayne kind of war movie yeah or it's the, like the saving private ryan's yeah your oscar winning the the big or oscar bait like the really grandiose because like I, it's kind of interesting how much saving private ryan was like breaking down what you thought of war movies beforehand, and now when you think of war movies, it they are like that schmaltzy Spielberg. Like same part, Ryan has more Spielberg schmaltz, Spielberg schmaltz, than you remember yeah. it having, but it, it really does. And like now, movies are just kind of aping that. So now you're just kind of like, I'm tired of like you know that kind of a war movie, or whatever. But which is why I was really excited to see Dunkirk. I liked it. I love Dunkirk. I. Mean, I I didn't love it, but I saw it in the right format. I'm I'm not like a huge like war movie guy. And I'm not, like, I think Nolan got a little too much, like, hand-jobbing from the handboys after Dark Knight. Uh, yeah. That, 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 that's always trouble, isn't it? And I, I'm actually really curious that you guys should maybe even do, like, Dark Knight in here. Maybe we'll just talk about it in Soviets or whatever. Yeah. But it's ten years since Dark Knight, man. Yeah, that's crazy. I remember I, seeing that opening night. Me and Gabriel saw it together, opening night. Really? Uh, I saw that movie. Which theater? Let's see if we're in the same theater. I think it was actually here. I think it was uh, what was used to be called the Rave Rave Films, but is now the AMC at uh, the, the, the thing Bob over there. Oh, I saw it at the, the theater that got turned into the bowling alley. Which one's that? Um, uh, oh, um, yeah. the one... Revolutions. Uh, is that the name of the bowling alley? Yeah. Uh, what was that? It wasn't a Carmike, right? It was know. Regal. I think it was. It was a Regal, right? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think I know where you're talking about. And also, I think that has been turned into a, a bowling. I usually don't go down that yeah. road. Or I usually don't, like, look over there. Uh, yeah, Gabe used to love that one. I didn't like it. Yeah. Usually because it's everyone's fucking far away from where I live. But no, uh, I was, yeah, I, I, I love Dunkirk. And I think the one thing of me in terms of, like, loving things that are incredibly popular, I love Nolan movies. But it's always tricky when you gain the love and attention of that many, like, comic book people. Yeah. You know, because, like, they're the ones who, who definitely feel an ownership of, like, the things that they watch, even if, like, yeah. you know, it has nothing to do with any, you know, anyway. So, are we going along here? Yeah, we're going a little <laughs> long. So, let's, um, I'm going to set this up for how, uh, how this kind of came up with me and Gabriel, so. Also, real quick, I do want to say, I don't think I really watched anything lately, so I didn't really have anything. Well, you were good to bounce 
chatter off of. Yeah. This is I think we were talking about, uh, uh, what do you call it for a while? Um, the Black Dahlia. Yeah, Black I think Dahlia. We were talking about that. I don't know if we were, I think we were supposed to go back to it, but yeah. hey. These things happen. All you out there, go check out Black Dahlia. And let us know. The, the one thing we should say is that uh, you agreed with, or I think your wife agreed with this. Yes. Um, the fact that I said before that the two female leads are horribly miscast and need to play each other's roles. It's Hilary Swank as the sexy, femme fatale, dangerous, and Scarlett Johansson as the worried, yeah. homely home wife. Yes. And it's it's an interesting decision to kind of cast those two, and it just doesn't fucking yeah, work. work. Yeah. Flip it. Yeah. That would have made it work a little bit better. I don't know. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, so what I've been doing for the past uh, couple weeks uh, in in my downtime is uh, I'm, I've been obsessed with like watching like drive-in movie ads. Okay. So I decided what I wanted to do was like kind of like edit together my own double feature, complete with ads from like the '60s and '70s, like, like interspliced. Like kind of straight up doing like a grindhouse kind of yeah, presentation. My, yeah, my own like grindhouse presentation, like putting trailers in front of the two double features, and I'm I'm still warring with myself on like which two movies it's gonna be. The one that hasn't left is the Warriors. But it needs to be Warriors and something else. Warriors and something else. Like the original, like it was, um, I was talking about like opening with Warriors and then closing with Poltergeist. Cause when you do a double feature, like your second movie should always be your like more adult, scarier or a, like adult themed kind of thing yeah. in my mind. That, oh, that I, I, I was just hearing, I think I was hearing like Quentin Tarantino talk about this. Because I infamously actually don't really understand the science of like the, the double feature as much, mm-hmm. but Tarantino made a point that like the name B movie came from the double billing because the A movie would be like the prestigious yeah. one that you would go to see, and then like the B movie would be like a sci-fi movie with like, yeah a something weird. Something like, like I thought about yeah. Close Encounters a second, and then like where it's standing right now was like opening with Goonies and closing Warriors, okay. but even I'm not sold on that. I actually was thinking, like, what if you... Because I was thinking Alien. What if it, you open with Close Encounters and you end with District 9? I don't like District 9, though. You don't like District 9? No. I love District 9. I saw that in theaters, too, but it was just weird. You're so. dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so what the, <laughs> so, the idea we're doing now is... Um, we'll get Gabriel's take on this later, but we decided we wanted to do, like, what would be, like, a really cool double feature. If you were to build, like, a top five of double features, do you have them ranked or you just want, like, in... Uh, I don't have them ranked at all. Okay. In fact, I have six. I might get excited enough to li- like literally read them all. Okay. But uh, but yeah, I just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna uh, list them at random. All right. So uh, this is uh, gonna be our list of like what would be a cool double feature if you're having a party and you're doing maybe what I'm doing, mm-hmm. editing together two movies to fit two movies that fit perfectly together to watch back to back. Whether you're popping them in the DVD player and then popping the other one in or Doing it real cool like me. Yeah, no. I think some of my decisions are going to be really bad with that. Oh, that's... Or, <laughs> I mean, however you want to try and explain it, how you're thinking for your I was just features. thinking about, like, like what movies would I want to see paired with one after the other. And I think... Um, I'm not thinking of them in the sense of... Which is actually would have been a, a much better way to do it. Thinking about in terms of what would be the A movie and the B movie. Mm-hmm. But I just thought, like, what would I actually want to see, like, kind of against one another. Okay. I think that's my primary thing. That's, uh, this is a great way to... Different people approaching it differently. Yeah. And, so you're approaching it from that angle. And, and naturally, none of my movies are, are, are great for, for, for parties. Except for a couple. Well, yeah. I'm just thinking, like, warm summer night, say you got a projector and you're throwing it up against the side of someone's house. Mm-hmm. It would be cool. Would that's be. that's my, my thought. But why don't you take the, take the lead, then throw me a double feature and we'll chat about okay. it. Okay. Uh, how about this? In terms of a great party one, uh, I'm going to go for the, 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 the grossest and harshest one. 
I have, and I don't even know what order I put this in in terms of a, a double feature, Bronson and Chopper. And Cho I've never seen Chopper. Chopper is uh, is the first uh, Andrew Dominic film, the guy who would do one of my favorite movies ever, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, and did another movie on this list that I'll mention later on called Killing Them Softly. Mm -hmm. it, it, he's an Australian dude. This is the movie where he took little-known comedian actor Eric Bana and had him portraying uh, a real-life criminal uh, who is basically is incredibly charismatic and got a lot of like uh, news attention. You've probably read all the newspaper stories about me. Heard the, the, the word on the street about me. You're sick, Reed. You're insane. And you've got a picture in your head of what, what bloody Chopper Reed's like. And we're sitting here at this bar, all very nice and cosy, and I'm a bit of a bloody letdown to you. And it was like like featured on like a lot of like media, for example, like like literally himself just like talking freely. Uh, whose nickname was Chopper. And that is, and I, I always want to kind of go back and revisit it, but um, it's similar in that concept with Bronson. Bronson, I don't need to explain to you what that is, but it's the story about... Uh, Charlie Bronson. Char Charlie Bronson, real-life British criminal who was uh, a raving fucking psychopath. He didn't necessarily kill anybody, but he's regarded as Brit as history's most violent criminal because mm -hmm. uh, like he went into jail for like a... For, like a pretty minor like robbery yeah and then like now he's just like locked in a box somewhere because all he does is fight and fight and he's delusional and the movie is is like this incredible fucking yeah. gonzo film about like how he kind of like pictures himself as like this master showman when all he does is punch people <laughs> and a, a really like amazing performance from tom hardy yeah uh speak up uh, speak that's another similarity between the two of them is that that was kind of the movie that made Tom Hardy, like, people are just like, holy fuck. Or, like, either who is Tom Hardy? Or it's like, I didn't know he could do that. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Um, similar, similarly, that was the good thing that was, that was with Eric Bannon and Chopper, where, again, he was a comedian. Yeah. And then he does Chopper, and he is, at terms, uh, a lot of the times, like, incredibly, like, like, friendly, egregious, funny, and charismatic, and then drop of a hat, incredibly, incredibly violent and scary. Yeah. And again, it also, similarly with uh, Bronson, there's like a kind of play on like, what is it like between like delusions, reality, fantasy, what is one or the other? Um, and it's kind of like sympathetic to someone who might not really deserve your sympathy uh, for a lot of things that he's done. Um, and it also kind of ends on a very similar note. Uh, uh, like a kind of like moment where you just kind of like see an image of him and you realize that like oh he's fucking detained like he's he's trapped in like this little tiny box regardless of all like the the success quote unquote that he's had in his yeah. life yeah kind of so I, I would just say like that would be a cool thing okay. and they're, they're both wonderfully violent and nasty too so yeah fits in the format of this show I would uh, you should you should watch that it's really great alright chopper alright let's uh, let's pick one of my 30 that I wrote down I just had a night where I was out sitting on my porch and just be like, oh, that would be cool together. Oh, that would be cool together. Oh, that would be cool together. So since we uh, were talking about this movie, I'm, uh, I'm going to bring this one up. Uh, I'm calling this one IHawk. Okay. Uh, off of the, um, there's a minor, like, side character in Futurama in one of the episodes. It was a play on Hawkeye, and he was a robot called IHawk. Hawkeye from, uh, from MASH. That's the one where they fight the, oh, the bouncing the, balls. Yeah, uh, uh, War is the H word. Yeah. Okay. When you so, said Hawkeye, I thought you meant Hawkeye's and the the Marvel character. Nope. No, the one where yeah, he's a so, the robot has like a little switch. Yeah. I forgot what the actual words are. Whoa, whoa. It's a uh, maudlin and something else. 
Yeah, it, it, he just so he's goes, like this war is hell. He flips it, flips, uh, flips the switch, and it's like this ain't a war; it's a moiter. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, kind of funny shit. So uh, I was Good going episode. with like kind of a theme of uh, war movies, but like war movies that are a little bit more user friendly, accessible, and like a, a fun might not be the right word, but the second one definitely is a little bit more fun. So for this double feature, you do uh, Full Metal Jacket. As Opal, the A movie? As the A movie. Okay. And then as your B movie, you're going to go with Inglorious Bastards. Okay. I think doing, like, two, uh, like, American war conflicts and viewing them through, like, a different director's prism, uh, one that's uh, the B movie, Inglorious Bastards, being an obvious, like, more fictionalized yeah. version of said war. But I think it still incorporates the things that, like, people want in a war movie. Mm-hmm. And Inglorious Bastards is just, like, it's always a crowd pleaser. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I tell you what, I have not seen uh, Inglourious Bastards for a while, and then, like, I rewatched it, and it really struck me, I'm like, man, this movie's fucking weird. Yeah. It, it, yeah, uh, I, I kind of still don't really appreciate, like, the grander, like, themes of it, like, what it's trying to say about, like, 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 kind of, like, revisiting history through cinema and, like, what you can get away with or whatever, yeah. but, like, don't get me wrong, I fucking love that movie. Yeah. It's uh, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. that's... I thought that would be a fun double feature. That that would be. I also want to point out, you know what's fun, uh, kind of an interesting thing, is that you guys will never really do a Quentin Tarantino movie on this show because, and I feel like I'm speaking for Gabriel, maybe a little too on the nose. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, we talk about it enough. It's kind of like, like, we'll bring up how much we love the movies, but like I will never like sit down and watch it and do a full breakdown of like Kill Bill 1 and 2. Yeah, it, it would almost be... Jesus, even like Kill Bill, for example, it would be hard to do because he would just be like, remember when that happened? Wasn't it awesome? Yeah, pretty much. Like, we talk about the movies we love, but like there's certain things it's just like, I'll bring it up in reference to the movie I'm watching, that we're watching, but like, yeah, some things are too on the... (laughs) And kind of, yeah, and nothing nothing can also be more or less fun than uh, uh, just two people agreeing with one another. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's not interesting. Uh, Keeping with the war movie theme, Okay. And I can re- I can really reconsider uh, what order I want to put these in. I have speaking of which, Dunkirk. Okay. With fires on the plane. I've never seen it either. No, this is the movie I was talking about. I mentioned earlier. Uh, it's a little known movie that came out on like Criterion. It's not even out on Blu-ray right now. There's only like a DVD, and I rented it from the Brooklyn Library. One of them. Uh, I think the big one. Uh, and I watched this, and it is a fucking incredible war movie, because, again, like, there, it, it, I remember reading, like, the, the preface to this was saying, like, how do you do a war movie that doesn't glorify war? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, Ebert was like, oh, Fires on the Plane. Um, Fires on the Plane is a Japanese film that came out I, around, like, 1960 or so, and it is the story of, and I had to look this up, it's a story of, like, a, like a, 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 mainly one guy we're following, but, like, one Japanese soldier who, like, fell behind enemy lines, in like uh, uh like the battle to like reclaim like uh, the the Philippine Islands, and it is like this guy's struggle to survive in like the like an unfamiliar jungle. The uh the locals hate him and are working against him and are trying to kill him. The soldiers will shoot him on sight, and he's just walk. He's just wandering around looking for uh food and water, and like kind of like running into like a bunch of other like Japanese soldiers who are on various states going mad. Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to ruin it too much, but like the second half of this movie pretty much becomes a horror film. Okay. Like it's it's I don't want to talk about this because like it's kind of shocking going into this like without realizing what it is. You can kind of tell what it is by seeing this, but it, it goes into like some pretty like hard like horror kind of elements, even though like it's not 
pulp era genre. It's like a fucking like realistic take about like a group of soldiers like basically starving to death throughout the entire film. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would pair that with uh, Dunkirk because both of them are about their war movies that are not about one side fighting another side, but more or less like an average person just trying to survive the war. Mm-hmm. And also, I think, and I could be wrong about this, uh, I also think in Fires of the Plane, you don't really see much of the enemy soldiers at all, if ever. Because, again, it's more about, like, survival. Okay. And But at the same time, what order would you put that in? I think Dunkirk would be the A movie, and then Fires of the Plane would be the B movie, just because Dunkirk is also a very exciting, engaging film, whereas Fires of the Plane is kind of like a very dark, black-and-white Japanese yeah. movie that moves relatively, or slower. It came out in 1959 against Dunkirk. So, anyway. All right, so uh, I, I'm actually stealing this one from... Is it Dunkirk and Fires in the Plane? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'm stealing this one from the United States. Okay. And, uh, well, not even the United States. I'm stealing this from the only, I guess, non-civilized inhabited continent on the world. Okay. So when, um, when the, the team of scientists goes to Antarctica mm-hmm. for like their six-month stretch, the opening night I've heard they have... A double feature uh-huh. and I've always been curious to do this double feature myself and they so the are. double feature is uh, the, Shi- uh, the Shining and the Thing. Twelve men have just discovered something. For 100,000 years it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live inside where no one can see it or hear it or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. Yes, nice. And I think, um, I'm calling this isolation. Uh-huh. Because I think, like, these, like, man, I don't know where I'd put which one over the other. I think maybe closing The Shining because it's a little bit slower paced. That, that's actually a really good question in terms of the A, B, and Because, like, uh, isn't the other thing the idea that, um, like, the first, I don't know, we're... Like, would it be, would it work better to have, like, The Shining, this prestigious fucking yeah, that horror film first. as, like, the main one, and then the B one would, again, be the, the genre? sci-fi, kind of. Or is that also too old school? Because I'm thinking about, like, well, yeah, that's how people used to think of the 50s. Yeah. Now, The Thing is a prestige movie. You yeah. Know, it failed when it came out and shit, but yeah. Yeah, so did, uh, Shining didn't do, really do too well. It was, <laughs> yeah, only, it was reappraised years later as, like, a masterpiece. That's right, yeah. It, it did, like, okay, when you look at The Thing, it, like, made it okay. Or maybe that's from, like, re-releases even, to be honest with you. Yeah, that actually could be the case. But yeah, it didn't do as well you're right yeah uh so i've always wanted to do that one i think that would be a uh an awesome double feature to do just kind of see what see how people react to it i i heard that before where they do that in antarctica i know like i remember they they watched the thing i forgot what the other one was but that's pretty good yeah so you're number three sir my number three i'm gonna go for something a little more fun here great 90s blockbuster movies oh the mask of zorro oh jesus and Master and Commander. All right. Uh, I don't know if, like, we probably, I think everyone saw Mask of Zorro, like, back in the yep. day. Um, I remember revisiting it, like, ten years ago and just being like, this movie's great. Yeah. It's really fucking fantastic. And, like, the best thing about it is that, like, Antonio Banderas, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and Anthony Hopkins are fucking, like, so yeah. amazing. And it's just, like, it's, it's like, pure crowd-pleasing, like, fun. But it's not, when, when you think about, like, 90s blockbusters, you think about stupid, like, Roland Emmerich, yeah, movies and Independence those, those Day. Characters, where it's just, it's the dumbest jokes in the world and people doing dumb things and they don't act like people. And you see, like, Mask of Zorro and you're just like, oh, this is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, similarly, 
Uh, I would put Master and Commander there because that's that's a movie that I I watched late in life and I was just like I can't believe people aren't talking about this more. Yeah. And I think that the, there is some some weird thing in there where like um, I love the the structure of it. It's really fantastic. It begins with uh, for people who don't know what that is. It's it's the it's based on like a series of like uh, novels that are all about like no, uh, naval warfare in the I think eighteenth century. Mm-hmm. Not 19th, early 19th century, maybe? Actually, I don't really know my fucking... Course and Carriage days. Something like that. All right, lads. Touch wood, Mr. Blakeney. Turn three times. May the Lord and Saints preserve Uh, and, and it, it's, it's, we're just following like two characters and such and like their journeys. And this is another difference. It's all about, uh, our hero boat, which is British hunting a French boat. That is the bad boat. And like the French boat is, is like much more powerful and more technologically advanced and everything like that. And it's just two and a half hours about that. Like there's, it's always, it's pretty much always on the boat mm-hmm. and everything like that. And the, it, it is, and I think it begins a little more Save It Private ryan with like the opening action scene. Okay. In fact, there's one thing that I think they definitely stole from that. But, like, the other end of that is that, like, there's, like, moments where, like, you know, the main characters kind of just go, like, man, isn't it great that we get to do this? <laughs> it's, you know, it's Our not, like... trailers on the sea. <laughs> Essentially, like, yeah. they're... It, it is that movie where even though it shows like the horrible war side of it mm. they also bounce back and just be like it's pretty fucking cool that we're like naval officers yeah. and like naval warfare like there's some pride in there or whatever so I, I would definitely recommend it to anybody out there Master and Commander okay yeah. alright one of my other double features that's um, kind of a, a weird one and this will this will speak to my uh, not liking Collins and people not understanding why. Okay. So this uh, this double feature is called PTA's House of Pot and Porn. Okay. So you're going to be watching Inherent Vice and mm-hmm. following up with Boogie Nights. That sounds like a massive headache. <laughs> yes. I I think those are two of my favorite movies. I really love Inherent Vice. I, and that's the movie that Gabriel's like, you love that, but you won't watch it like you hate Coen Brothers. I, I think it's just a really goofy kind of fun movie. I could see like... My friends like smoking pot and eating pizza to the first movie and then being wrapped with attention being like, oh, tits for the second <laughs> movie. But they're both like really like they they feature really strong performances from the actors in them. And that's why I really like those two movies in particular from PTA. Uh, I I would actually we should, you know what you should you should actually do and have me on for Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights, I, I I love Boogie Nights. I love Paul Thomas Anderson movies. I've never seen Boogie Nights. Really? I, I saw oh. the first hour of it when I was when I was young and like I didn't like it for whatever reason. Because even though at that point I I loved fucking Magnolia apparently, mm. but um which is not a movie I can go back to. But uh yeah don't get me wrong like I, and those those two are honestly my my least favorite. Uh, I, I would say Inherent Vice especially. It's not that I, I don't like it. It's the fact that I I feel like we were talking about this a moment ago where like um, I really appreciate it and like every little like individual scene is absolutely fantastic. But I feel like if there's and I don't feel like there is I I, I feel like the Owen Wilson thing is a little is a little too dull and kind of slows yeah. it down, which is kind of weird because the the story is a purposeful convoluted mess. Yeah, and like that's like a weird like very important part of that. And I this last time I watched this, I really get the purpose of it. Mm-hmm. But like I. I basically, I, I feel like it is just, like, a big, messy, fun, nonsensical, like, detective story. It's, yeah, and I, I can always be got, like, be gotten with, like, a, a 70s, like, noir, uh-huh. like, setting. And, again, 
voiceover in this from the the young lady and she's got such a really beautiful voice to do like a kind of like mysterious voiceover and she actually features later in the plot where you actually see her um which, but like which i always assumed was a she's a hallucination oh that's interesting <laughs> I, I assume that was the case because uh i here's the other funny thing i read the book i don't remember it i remember liking it yeah um but uh there is no that character like the character just basically yeah. serves to like literally read like the narration in like the book when it really like suits the material yeah so like that's and like in a lot of the scenes with her she's only ever communicating with uh doc in that oh she communicates with uh shasta too yeah that one, of, one of my uh one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they're like the town is like dry of pot yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh doc and shasta go like trying to run to and find pot and then you've after got this, doing after doing the the, the, the Ouija board, yeah, yeah, Ouija and the phone call, and then um, you have this really sweet um, what's his name Neil Young Neil Young yeah. uh, song while they're in the rain, and it's it's a really beautiful, touching scene that really got me for some reason, uh-huh. and I just it's one of my favorite scenes in that movie. You know, you know, you know, what? I would actually love to see the double feature with this, and again, this sounds like a massive headache. That with uh, Fear and Loathing, that'd be interesting. Uh, I uh, fear, I think Fear and Loathing would have to go second. Yeah, yeah, easily. Um, I I feel like I watched that when I was a when I was young, and you you love it in the same way that you'll love like Big Lebowski or Snatch, mm-hmm. where it's like it's so. But like I I whenever I catch like little bits of Fear and Loathing, I just be like I fucking love that movie, man. Yeah, it's a great movie. Similarly, um, it and it doesn't happen as much, but like there is just like a really sweetness behind everything where, and it's also I, it is an interesting period where you have like that that blind optimism of like the sixties with like the crash of like the seventies of that. And, yeah. And Heron Vice is, is a little leaning towards the six. What is actually, do you remember when it takes place? A 70, I think. Okay. Like basically like, right. In, yeah. Right. In the, uh, they, uh, the trailers for this movie actually are also get me because like, great trailer, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, great trailer. Yeah. Um, they have this, uh, the one trailer that's my favorite. I will rewatch it because the way they talk about doc in it, mm-hmm. um, is like, uh, every once in a while, someone needs to step up and defend their generation. And like, I love a fucked up hero who just gets <laughs> thrown into like a story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in that trailer, they do say like at the tail end of the the sixties, right? Is like this is stopping and everything else. Like it's yeah, yeah but like and it's it's kind of interesting. It's like you're watching history there, where like that uh, Heron Vice is like right at the end of the sixties, and then like Fear and Loathing is like a couple years into like everything kind of like crashing and falling apart and everything, and like both definitely like speak they speak very well of that time period. Like you actually you get it a little bit better. Yeah, and honestly, I think for me the first time I seen Heron Vice because like that kind of mindset is so out of like i don't mm. understand it like i kind of missed that so maybe i don't know maybe it's going to be like uh hateful eight with me where like the first time i saw this i was kind of like lukewarm and then the more i saw it the more i loved it yeah i, I was actually like that with hateful eight too i'm still like pretty lukewarm on it but i like it much better than the first time i saw it it, it, it definitely is something worth uh going going back i'd, I'd recommend i'd say like my second least favorite of tarantino's movies with jackie what brown would be the least favorite? jackie brown Jackie Brown? I need to rewatch Jackie Brown. It, it's it's like everyone's favorite like Tarantino movie, like when they get older or something like that. That's you know? that's so odd to me. I did yeah. I, I remember when I first saw it, I found it painfully slow, but I think when I was because I saw it as a teenager and then you're mm. expecting like pulp fiction or Reservoir Dogs even. Yeah. And then you're just like, What's this slow movie about old people? Like, yeah, you know? it's pretty so, much what it is. So, so that's what I mean, I need to go back to it. Uh you're number four. Yeah, my number four. Here's one, and I'm really curious about what would be the A movie or the B movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a little movie that people know called Drive. 
And a little movie that nobody knows. So speaking of which, it's another Nicholas Winter Refn movie. Uh, a, a little movie nobody knows, La Samurai. The Samurai. I feel like Gabriel's put this up. Yeah, Gabriel. Gabriel seen, Gabriel seen it because I've seen this, and this is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> um, it is uh, when I heard about when Drive was coming out. Drive being the movie out there with uh, Ryan Gosling and uh, 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 oh my god, how did I forget her name? Walter White. Walter White. Yeah, with Walter White, Brian Cranston in it as well. I actually keep forgetting he's in it. I keep forgetting Oscar Isaac's in it. Oscar Isaac? Oh, I yeah. haven't seen that movie in forever. He, he played Santa. He played uh, the boyfriend who gets killed. Oh, oh, the husband. I'm sorry. The husband. Oh, shit. That is um, who is the... I just saw her talk, too. Um, oh, my fucking God. She's like the best thing. She's like the secret heart of that movie. Anyway, but like when I heard that coming out, and essentially it's like, oh, someone made a movie just for me because it is a mixture between my two favorite things, Michael Mann movies, especially like the stylized 80s ones like Thief and Manhunter and shit. Mm-hmm. And La Samurai. La Samurai is a glacially, I would call it, I call it minimalist, but uh, you can also argue that it's just extremely stylized. Um, it is a, a story about a hitman who basically does, is, is so focused, laser focused on his job that he doesn't communicate with anybody outside and he is, he makes a foolproof plan, it's incredibly methodical. Um, and it's very, very silent. Unlike Drive, there's not even like a huge like soundtrack to anything like that. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think there's no real dialogue in the first 10 minutes even. Uh, and, and like, it is like, uh, uh who is the comedian? Um, I want to say like Matt Besser, I'm going to say. Not Matt Besser. No. Uh, Greg Poops. Okay. Poops, not Poops. Greg Poops. Uh, he, he had like a video, he had like a screening of it that he talked afterwards and he put it very well. Uh, I don't know if this movie is, is deep at all or if it's just the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, if you love, uh, if you have the patience to see something like this, I, I don't want to really take it as patience. Like when I watch this, it's just like, you're stuck with it the whole time. Just like, yeah. what is this? Oh my God. Is that where this is going? Oh my God. You know, I, I, I love it so much. So I would just love to put the two of them together because like one of them is kind of like the, the thing that drive is kind of like aping the style of a bit, especially with the main character who like hardly talks and you can kind of see like, there's a bit of like sociopathicness to it. Uh, sociopath sociopathy? There's a word here. There's a word Sociopathic? There. Sociopathic. There's a word in there somewhere. <laughs> Where's Michelle Monnie when you need her? Uh, Michelle. Um, but yeah, no, just Parallel Drive. Uh, both of them are, are some of my favorite movies in the world. Okay. I think Drive would be the first one, and then the second one would be, like, the fucking, the hyper-stylized, the even more hyper-stylized fucking uh, crime film. Okay. Yeah, check it out, guys, everybody. Also for the ladies out there, <coughs> Alan Delon, one of the handsomest men ever to have lived. Yay! Yay! All right. Um, I'm actually gonna. I was thinking about this uh, as I was scanning through, and I'm actually gonna split the uh, script on this one, and uh, we're gonna call this Blades of Glory. Okay. Uh, so you are going to start with Blade of the Immortal. Okay. And end with Shogun Assassin, the cut of the first two uh, Lone Wolf and Cub movies. Do you have that, by the way? Yeah, a little collection somewhere. Big red box. I should see that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's great. So I, I think opening with something that's really, like, hyper glitzy stylized, like Blade of the Immortal, it's a bit longer, but it's fun T to B. Uh-huh, that's about... And then, <laughs> yes. And then flipping it and doing kind of like a, a, a more of an old school genre film and doing Shogun Assassin. Return to the vanished kingdoms of ancient times. Empire of mad wizards 
saga of a legendary warrior. A loving father who has the power of a dozen armies in one sweep of his mystic blade. This is a story of honor, disgrace, vengeance, massacre. Uh, this one's gonna require patience. If you don't like subtitles, get the fuck out. Get the fuck out of here! They're both great movies. Um, I think the uh, Shogun Assassin would lend more to that kind of like grindhouse drive-in movie feel. It, isn't it, it? It's kind of like I don't know, not the original, but like it's one of like those early kind of like grindhousey kind of thing. I think it was like popular on like like in America, it was popular on like like to rent or whatever, right? Yeah. It was like kind of like it was a big cult yeah, classic. It was, yeah, it was a big like uh, when it came to America, they just super cut them together because they didn't believe American audiences would have patience for the first one and then the second one, uh -huh. which. They're, the first two movies are kind of slow. They get more actiony as the as, time as, as the series on. goes on. But um, yeah, both uh, uh, Shogun Assassin super cutting it. It's great. So they edited it together. And then it had a huge life on home video. Do you think if I saw Shogun Assassin, like I wouldn't have to see the other ones? Yeah, I, I mean, there's some stuff that's gonna get left out. Um, but uh, for to, uh, as a completionist, if you want to watch the other two, they are a little bit slower. They're like ninety minutes. Of, uh, movie, but that that's not that bad. Um, and Gabriel knows this is about me. I don't know if you know this. Uh, the guy who directed or produced that or whatever, he uh ma mainly uh he he really started his career or he's known for he's legendary for uh, playing Zatoichi the Blind Swordsman. Which, oh, I think Gabriel. Has of which I am a huge fan. I own the Criterion Blu-ray collection of those. It's twenty. Five or six movies. Technically, it's like twenty-seven movies. Really. Twenty-five movies. They're all like like ninety minutes to two hours, and like. Like, high-grade pulp is, yeah. like, the best way to describe it. And they definitely have a formula. Like, it is, like, it is essentially very... It, have you seen it, all of them? No. Oh. I've, I've, I feel like by now, like, I've come close. But I remember going, like, getting home, like, when I was, like, 19 or so. And, like, I would put on TV on, a on IFC. And I remember for an entire week, they were playing nothing but Zatoichi films. And I'd just be like, what are these? These are awesome. Yeah. And you just you come home, put them on. There's another one. There's, like, a bunch of these. What? And, yeah, they are... And they go, they definitely go through like phases, like the early black and white ones are like stunningly gorgeous and like color and such. Um, but like, uh, especially nothing beat the, the fucking guys, like like physicality and such. Do you know anything about the Zatoichi character? Uh, I, I feel like Gabriel's like talked at length, but the, it just became white noise. <laughs> Sorry, Gabe. Gabe, that's what we're going to put on your tombstone, white noise. <laughs> white noise. No, no he, he has <laughs> talked about it uh, quite a few times to me, and uh, I believe he's like said like, awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I, that would be, that would be a kind of fun thing to do. Uh, I, I would say like maybe the last one that they did with the original Zatoichi guy, that would be a cool one because that one had like a little more stylized violence and a really gross, unnecessary sex scene mm -hmm. with like, s I don't remember the guy's name, but sexy Zatoichi actor who's like old and round. Yeah. Uh, the the best thing about him is that he's not what you'd imagine the kind of guy you'd make like a twenty five film series like samurai thing. Yeah. He's just like this bumbling, goofy guy who who's you know doing blind acting, doing it very well. Yeah. And then like for action scenes, they're like done in a heartbeat because everything's just like rapid fire, yeah. super quick, and almost anticlimactic. That's awesome. It it is. I, like I said, I I'll bring some over and maybe you guys should do like the especially like the first one. That'd okay. Be, that'd be great. Yeah. 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 Where the fuck are we? Sorry. Uh, you are at your last pick, I believe. Last pick. Okay. 
Let me think. I, I think I'm gonna go for this one. The other one was like it was like two like a uh, Hayao Miyazaki films. I would want to pair. Uh, uh, I'm gonna briefly just say this: Porco Rosso and Wind Rises, just because like mm-hmm. they're both like the aviation thing, and like the first one was like this fun, enjoyable one. The other one's this, but like uh, bio story, biopic, whatever thing I was gonna call it about like the guy who did something. It's very fucking. It's the most tragic thing in the world. Uh, however, I'm gonna sidestep fun animation and go for two crime films. That I happen to love. Ooh, that's what I'm going for last time. Uh, one of which you know very well, Eastern Promises. Yes. And I'm going to follow that with Killing Them Softly. I like coming here every day. I know. I got him, you? If you guys know me. You're in a position very few guys ever get in. You have choices. Look, I don't know if I can do this. You made a mistake. And you gotta make things right. There's a man going around taking names. And he decides who to free and who to blame. You ever killed anyone? They cry, they plead, they call for their mothers. And the man comes around. I like to kill him softly, from a distance. You come up here to do something, remember? I don't take orders from you. Get out of the car now. I didn't do nothing. You know what you gotta do, right? You know, this is a business of relationships. Don't make me less. I'm living in America. And in America, you're on your own. Okay. Uh, which is also done by Andrew Dominic, the guy who did Chopper. Uh, it, it's, it, I don't know, you probably not have seen, I don't know if you've seen I've it. I've not seen it yet, no. But you remember probably remember trailers, like the movie came out like only yeah. like six years ago. It's Brad Pitt, right? Brad Pitt, yeah. And, uh, which is, I, I think the cool thing about this is that he's not really the main character. Uh, uh, what's his name? A goofy guy from Australia. Has a real funny name. What's his name? Chris Hemsworth. No, goofy. Uh, Crocodile shit. Dundee. Oh, this is killing me. Who's the guy? He was in Batman versus Superman. He was the guy who got injured in the beginning. He was in a wheelchair, and then he blew in like his oh, wheelchair. Oh, uh, Scoop, Scoop McNary. McNary. Yes, uh, Scoop McNary. He's kind of the main character of that movie. Okay. Uh, and it, like it's another one of those movies where everybody in that is so fucking like awesome. Uh, Scoop McNary is great. Brad Pitt is awesome. Uh, and if you ever want to be very sad that we no longer have James Gandolfini, just wait until you see that. It's like one of like his like like last. In fact, I think it came out after he passed away, even. I think... No, that's not true. It was, like, right before he passed away. But um, he's not even, like, a main... He, main character. He's just, like, this episodic thing where, like, we just spend, like, a good time with him. And Jesus fucking Christ, he's good in that. Uh, it's... It, both of which are, are... They're both two ends of the spectrum of, like... Like, like kind of, like, stylized, but, like, kind of a... a I don't even call it... What would you call, like, Eastern Promises? Like, a little, like, high-caliber-ish... High-caliber, like... Russian mafia crime drama. Yeah, it's it, it's like it's it's almost like a B movie. It's a B movie done with A list style. Yeah, and you kind of and like killing them softly isn't exactly that. It's more like, it's it's not like admitting to like any kind of style or even B moviness. It's just like this very grimy story about uh just violent people and everything like that. And I just think like oh those would be like two great like crime movies I would just love to see together. Probably just for no reason other than yeah. them together. Uh, I think Killing Them Softly would have to go second, though. Okay. Yeah. I, that makes sense. At Eastern Promises has, like, that little, like, prestigeness to it, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of actually... I'm, I'm flipping my... How I'm doing that now, because the more we talk about <laughs> what's going first and then having, you know, the, uh-huh. the, the glitzy, gritty one go second... Which is an interesting way to kind of put... Uh, that's actually the best way to kind of pair things. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That, uh, yeah. 
Because you want to you wanna feel dirty when you leave, like, a, a grindhouse double feature. <laughs> or, or, like, kind of like, okay, kids, time cool. to, time yeah, to time go to home. Like, yeah. Me and mom are going to come back. Yeah. yeah, why don't you guys watch, like, whatever it is on your iPads, and we're going to watch this yeah. twisted film. We're, we're going to watch Killing Him Softly, which is, like, genuinely fucking unpleasant with its violence, even. Like, it's it's really like cool. You should see it. Yeah. Um, so, this is what I'm flipping a script on. Uh, I was toying with calling this one Cheerios, uh-huh. but I think I'm going to go with the original title. The Fincher Fist Fuck Variety Hour. Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to watch Zodiac first, okay. and we're going to end on seven. Hello? Who is this? Zodiac was my job. It's not yours. He's still out there, Dave. Killing is his compulsion. It drives him. It's in his blood. Jeez. What? Squirrels. This is the Zodiac I've begun. I can give you a lift to the service station. Do you always go around helping people in the night? I'm not the Zodiac. And if I was, I certainly wouldn't tell you. Are you sure there's nobody else in the house? Okay. So I, uh... I think like Zodiac, Zodiac I love. That's one of those movies I could put on like any time and like spend that whole like two hours and 45 minutes just glued to the screen. That sounds like me with uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Okay, <laughs> yeah. fair enough. It's um, like those long... Yeah, the like, long movies that... Not too long though. Like they're both like two and a half hours yeah. long, I think roughly. So like they're not like extremely... It's not like Lawrence mm-hmm. of Arabia or anything like that, but yeah, I'm sorry. I, um, I watched it uh, a couple of years ago, two years ago with uh, Michelle Monaghan. And it was, I think, right before we went to the Oscars, the uh-huh. Oscar party. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, I just, I was engrossed with it. And she liked it, too, but, like, it's now become one of those movies where I'm like, it's like, hey, what do you want to watch tonight? I'm like, hmm, Zodiac? She's like, no, I'm not watching fucking Zodiac. And then I'm like, uh, Boogie Nights? No. Um, Silence of the Lambs? You've seen that 50 times. Like, yeah, but they're all great. Like, what do you want to watch? I'm not watching fucking Dirty Dancing again. Like... I've seen that a million times too, but I'm not in the mood for it. Dirty Dancing too. Uh, yeah. Dance, <laughs> Dancing in Havana. What's it called? <laughs> Havana Nights. Havana Nights. That's what it is. Um, I like that subtitle. Dancing in Havana. So Zodiac is like it, it's oh, another example of '70s noir police procedural. I, I, period. Thing. Yeah, another period film that that does a great job capturing what it was like to be in the because I oh, love yeah. I love Zodiac as well. Uh, Fincher is an interesting dude because speaking of which, uh, there are some movies of his that I love and some movies of his that I hate. I love Zodiac. I love uh, Fight Club social, social uh, Media. What's it called? Social... Oh, Social Network? Social Network. Uh, You're not Girl. a Seven fan, though, right? Gone Girl. Hate Seven, and I mainly hate the game, but... We'll, we'll, yeah. Okay. But Seven is one that I, I, don't, I don't like as much. Okay. For, for me, and don't be wrong, like, everybody disagrees with me on this. Yeah. Um, seven is kind of like going back to that new metal band that you liked when you were a teenager. Yeah, and I can I can see your point on this. It, it was like it was a little too, it was dark and grimy to a stupid point for me, and okay. that that that's like a harsh way to put it. I don't mean to be insulting, but like that's what it. Like I remember in the beginning, uh, Morgan Freeman. This is the one thing I latch on. Morgan Freeman goes to a crime scene that's like super gritty, where like a kid witnessed like his dad kill his mom or something like yeah. that, and he comes in and he goes, "Did the kid see anything?" 
And like the the shitty white guy cop was like, "Do you see anything? Why are you always gonna ask these shitty questions? Who the fuck cares if the kid say anything?" Yeah. And it's like he's a detective. Yeah. He's asking if the kid saw the fucking crime. Yeah, he needs to know these things. What, what kind of asshole would be like? Be like, "The fuck you asking that?" Like, yeah, what? Yeah, like essentially, it's like, yeah, it's it, it it's a little too for me. Maybe like on the nose about like what it's trying to like the kind of story it's trying mm-hmm. to tell. And like from like I think there are stories that did that better. Also, um, it has that weird, and it kind of drives me crazy, stories that kind of, like, glorify uh, 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 serial killers a bit. Yeah. And, like, that could be a bigger description, a thing. Because, like, I love, Sans of the Lambs is, you know, it deserves all this, it's fucking yeah. crazy praise that it's ever gotten, ever. But, like, if you're like, hey, we're going to see something, it's a serial killer movie, and I'd be like, eh, I don't know, I don't, know. I don't care about yeah. it. But I love a movie that uh, makes the serial killers look like how they really are, a bunch of fucking disgusting creeps, like in Zodiac. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I, I'm always down for like a uh, a serial killer movie, but like I don't like it when it's uh, gratuitous. Mm-hmm. I, I think I've said this on the show that I prefer like the more of like the police procedural investigation of the serial killers more than I like watching like serial killers like I don't know cut some girl's tits off and like wear them on his head like that's. That's uh, gratuitous to me. Speaking of which, everybody out there, read From Hell, Alan Moore's very, very detailed description or, or <laughs> story, fictional story about the Jack of the Ripper murders. Yeah. Like I, something like that kind I of I don't know. Things. I'd rather watch like uh, like Fincher's TV show, uh, Mindhunter. Yeah, which is... Loved some, it. What was... You know who was actually directing some of the season two episodes? Who did? Andrew Dominic, director of Chopper and Killing Them Softly, which oh, I think okay. is super fucking cool. All right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to say some... Thing. I forgot what it was though. I just think like um, <laughs> Closing Seven. It's it's gr- it's gritty comic book kind of like serial killer movie. Like almost yeah. in that sense, and that's and it you feel dirty at the end of it because you know the cop kills the <laughs> prisoner in custody yeah. because he cut off his wife's head. But it's it's really dark and twisted, and I think it fits perfectly for like a second feature. It 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 is, and and I don't know that. We can have that discussion uh, yeah. many other times because I feel like we can go on for seven for a while. Also, I haven't seen it in a while. It'd yeah. be great to, to revisit yeah. it at some point. Can you? Uh, you said you had six, so I'm gonna let you go for a bonus because I have one bonus. Oh, that the, I'd like the six was on. the six was the one I briefly detailed where I was. I went Porco Rosso and the wind rises. Okay. Because, uh, I can go in a little deeper. Is that uh, Porco Rosso is this? Is one of my favorite movies. It is this. It is uh, the both cartoons done by the great Hayao Miyazaki who did uh, Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, mm-hmm. uh, Howl's Moving Castle. <clears throat> and um, and my neighbor's door. That's another big one. And uh, Porco Rosso is my favorite about uh, an Italian aviator who refused to join the Italian army, uh, and is basically working as uh, like a mercenary, basically rescuing hostages and money who are mm-hmm. stolen by, which is very popular in this kind of stylized world of like nineteen thirties Europe, uh, uh, air pirates, uh, and uh, kind of without any goddamn specific reason that that is he's just a pig he was yeah. he was mysteriously transformed into a pig man and it it has like it has two things that i love it's like the joy of like throwback animation like these like early 20th century kind of like super rubbery uh like uh st- styles actually there's like a specific thing that does that but but it, there's like a little bit of like that that charm to it and but it's also like this very cynical story about a man who would base who like People are telling him that, like, you know, he's a slob, he's a traitor, he's a pig, yeah. because he wouldn't join the Italian military or, or Air Force in, like, the lead-up to World War Two. Yeah. You know? It, it, is, it is... I love that story so much, and it's so charming. I can't begin. And The Wind Rises, again, is the is the, the a fictionalized story about the uh, the 
uh, engineer who developed the Japanese Zero Fighters, mm-hmm. which were uh, uh, known like basically they were the terrors of like the Pacific War. Uh, because like they were just like like the most like advanced fighter planes at the time, and especially they were used heavily in like kamikaze, uh, uh, you know, tactics. Tactics, we would put it. Uh, and by the same time, he developed. Uh, he developed them. He was basically like he 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 was obsessive. He he loved planes, and when people like asked him later in life, like why did you you know you did this, and he goes like, no, I didn't. I don't want to make a. a weapon of war i wanted to make something beautiful yeah and it's like this incredibly moving story about him developing this and his failures and successes yeah. developing these like incredible planes and then like with like the tragedy of also having like a doomed romance uh plot throughout the whole thing and then knowing exactly what happens after he has this incredible success so it's it's incredibly moving i'm actually getting emotional thinking about it but okay i'm sorry go ahead um <laughs> so i'm gonna do a bonus one i i talk extensively on this show about my lovely Boops. wife, Michelle Monaghan. Her um, So I, I did actually do a double feature uh, with two of her favorite movies, and I wanted to mention these two because I think they have a really good... It's not, like, gritty at all. It's They're both really nice, sweet movies that mm-hmm. I think pair pretty well together. Uh, so this category is called Michelle Monaghan's Midnight Madness. All right. So for this one, you're going to have uh, Empire Records up first. AJ loves Corey, not the whole story. Today is the day that I'm going to tell Corey how I feel about her. That I uh, love her. Yeah. Do you think that it's possible for someone to be in love with someone else and not even know it? In this life, there are nothing but possibilities. That is so sweet. I think I'm gonna barf. Corey wants Rex first time at sex. Hey Rex, what happened to your hair? I will offer myself to Rex Manning. Ah! I wish I could be brave. You are brave. I have to bring Rex his lunch. I'm bringing Rex his lunch! Mark's raging mad. Best day he's had. If I was in a band, they would not be doing this to me. Deb shaved her head and made out she was dead. I tried to kill myself with a lady Beck. Just your typical nutty teenager. You did have hair, right? I was tired of being invisible. Gina did it again, this time to a friend. You get smarter the shorter your skirt gets. I want to sing in a band, but I don't have the guts. So is this how your life's going to be now? You're just going to screw every husband? I'm starving! Great little 90s movie. I've heard, I've heard of that. I've seen the poster so many times. I don't even know what that movie's about. <laughs> it's like about a record store like that's going to be like closing and like all the employees and there's some like big pop star coming. And it's it's a great like 90s like kind of like it could be a punk rock pick on the show, honestly. Okay. Um, and then you're going to follow that with Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Okay. So uh, another like musical like oriented movie about a young man and a young lady traversing around New York trying to find the secret show of their favorite band. And I think Gabe's a huge fan of that one as well. That, makes, that really does make sense. Which kind of brings to the point is that, yeah, I feel like a lot of our picks were mainly very like much towards like an actual like grindhouse, like that grind yeah. kind of thing. Where it's like, oh, we could have done something else. I think I, I, I did avoid, or I couldn't really find good matches with like my my less, like I said, a lot of these are like crime players, just like what? Master and Commander, Mask of Zorro, and like Porco Rosso and Wind Rises that like aren't Right? No, that's not true, Fires. Okay, forget that. That's not true at all. Okay. Yeah. Those, Some good picks. Uh, good picks. Those are very interesting. Um, I feel like, you know what we should do? We should do this again, but with completely new picks. I feel like I this agree. is something we can regularly do. Yeah. Maybe a segment for a future one. Yeah, or absolutely. Maybe, how about this, the next time I'm on, or, you know, you and Gabe could keep doing this. I don't know. But the next time I'm on, maybe we could all just share one great double feature and kind of, like, go through that. I would be down for that. That's actually a good segment. Every time you're on, we'll do that. Yes. I, I, I'm happy with this. I like this. I, 
I like considering this too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should actually like do one one time too. That'd be great. <laughs> we should, we should, we should do inherent vice and fear and loathing, and then we'll all have a headache ninety minutes into that. <laughs> yes, this is true. Um, so those are our top fives, uh, and with one little bonus one on uh, on the tail end there. Yeah. Uh, if you guys have any ones that you think or anything we missed, comment on the Instagram sex and violence pod. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't do the Instagram. Or, or or message us on, on, on Twitter at Top Gaunt Radio, which is the thing that I handle that I have neglected, but yep. uh, <laughs> or or yeah, again you can also uh not to know we're doing plugs, but yeah, on slow uh on Instagram slow readers, that's that's I handled that. I also like repost like sex and violence stuff, so if you nice little cross reference. If any of y'all hate what we said, just hate message us. Yeah. And or if you like it, I don't know, I guess. Comment Gabriel is a boob. Yeah, send us messages of Gabriel's a boob. Um so uh, you can find me on Instagram <laughs> at Tango Like Cash. You can also find me this week next to the OBT, the Old Brewery Tavern in beautiful Northside Bethlehem during Music Fest. Mm-hmm. And visit my Food truck, Brogies. You can also follow Brogies at Brogies Food Truck on Instagram. Uh, I, I'm extremely uh, 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 sad that I've actually been in this area a lot in the afternoons, so I, I don't think that you guys are actually open at that time, are you? We open about five six. Yeah, and we go until about like one two in the morning. It, it's very frustrating because I'm always here and I'm always just like, oh, it'd be it'd be great just to like stop by a Brogies, but it's like. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be here anywhere near five p.m. So yeah. So that always sucks. Now, that's a. Uh, I've eaten a lot of gyro. This week. Oh, lucky I, you! I love, love, love gyro so much. That's awesome. I'm really hungry. Are we ending the show? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're close to ending it. Okay. Was there? Was there? Yeah, I guess so. We've been going on for a while. That's what it's like talking to me. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> realize that. It, it kind of. Goes Gabriel and I run a tight ship. Yeah, and I I hate tight ships. I like I like. I like my stuff like Terrence Malick movies. Just all over the place. Where do you feel like going? Water splashing on your face. Like in a Terrence Malick movie. Yes. Um, yeah, join us next time. We're doing a Terrence Malick uh, marathon. All of his movies just one after the other. Yeah. Um, so stay with us. I really don't know what we're doing next. Whether it's an MGV, a, a movie. A, we're kind we're, of flying by the seat of our you, pants. You might be doing the food thing coming up, right? Uh, we might be starting that, the 86 list. Okay. So... We'll see where we end up on that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Sex and violence. Sex and violence. Thanks for joining us. See you next time, guys. Bye. Laters. This has been a Top Count Radio production. Executive produced by Daniel Reichel and Gabriel Mara. For more podcasts and content, go to topgoutradio.com 